Welcome to Beyond Distribution with GTDC Podcast. In today's episode, Frank talked to Tatiana Wismith, Head of Distribution and Supply Chain Intelligence at GFK. GFK was founded over 80 years ago and is a leading database and analytics company based out of Germany. Tatiana shares her thoughts on how distributors are embracing data to make decisions in their own workplaces and in service of the customers the potential AI can provide in helping interpret and digest data and post-pandemic trends. Listen to this episode of Beyond Distribution with GTDC for the full details. Hey, welcome everybody to the next edition of Beyond Distribution from GTDC. I am delighted today to have uh, as our guest, one of our long-term, uh, long-time GTDC partners, um, Tatiana Wismeth from uh, GFK. And Tatiana is the head of distribution and supply chain intelligence uh, at GFK and has been working with us, frankly, for, for quite some time, certainly before I got here. So Tatiana, welcome. Thank you, Frank. It's, I'm delighted to be here and thank you for that. Yeah. So um, before we get started and, you know, start to pull out all that intelligence that you have re regarding what's happening in the market, uh, you know, from an IT standpoint and certainly from a distribution standpoint, let's talk a little bit about you. Um, how'd you get started in IT? How did you end up in the role that you're in? Let the, our the listeners kind of get a sense for that. Yeah, absolutely. So I started actually quite some time at GFK as an industry analyst, predominantly in the IT industry. So helping manufacturers in first place to understand what is currently going on in the market, what are trends and drivers. And what led me to that position was kind of curiosity. So I'm a very curious person. I'm looking for challenges and I'm looking for highly dynamic markets. So for me, it was a natural fit to actually enter the IT industry and to work with those manufacturers. And then I became basically where I got the opportunity to change my role within GFK and transition a bit from the IT focus to a broader view working with distributors worldwide. So this is where I ended up to actually lead our distribution panel, which is now available in over 45 countries worldwide and um, belongs to one of the largest distribution panels that is available. Yeah, well, that's great. And, and certainly, you know, I've been in the industry over the years and from a different standpoint, you know, on the, on the vendor side, and I've seen a ton of changes and transitions, you know, as it relates to what distributors are doing and how they do it and how they're doing it. You must be experiencing the exact same thing. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I think the, the last years have been tremendous and we have transitioned a bit from changing form factors to really changing business models. Mm. And we are just in that era of data-driven decisions and where it becomes even more important to, to make profound insights and to have actually, yeah, data-backed up decisions in the workplace. Yeah, yeah, no, that's, and that's, and that is a transition that is happening. Um, and I think it's interesting, you know, we and you were at our event in in uh, June in Amsterdam, and we talked a lot about this is that I don't think people are really understanding that and focusing on that. I think people are spending a lot of time, at least from a distribution standpoint, trying to figure out 
you know, how do distributors make the transition um, or help accelerate the transition, you know, that we're seeing in the marketplace, right? With everything as a service, with, you know, software and SaaS and cloud marketplaces, et cetera. And the piece that's getting overlooked, I think, is the ability to make data-driven decisions and utilize that data that's been there for a long time, but probably hasn't been utilized as well as it should. You guys certainly know that because you have all that data, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, I think it, or I see it in the same way. So I guess distributors in the past have focused a lot on the fulfillment and nowadays to provide services, as you perfectly said, or transition into kind of this managed service uh, solution provider. But the question for the future is also to make data-driven decisions or even to have data-enabled tools that they apply. So this is where actually I think distributors are asked to embrace that and to use the data they have, but also to enrich that by other sources in order to actually then provide even a better service to their clients and to make consultancy to their clients. So it's a bit transitioning from the customer service portion to customer care, which is much more intensively, much more um, yeah, embracing technology and, and the things that can be driven by technology. I mean, the other side of the coin is that businesses as well as distributors need to face a data overload. And I think this is where companies like GFK actually tremendously help to extract the right signals from all that noise which is in data and to focus on what is really important and to pinpoint, let's say, the right things that they should focus on. Yeah, and yeah, and that's an excellent point. And so let's let's expand on that a little bit. How how do you do that, right? Because to your point, and I've sat in certainly a, over the years and lots of presentations, but frankly, the ones that you guys have, have done are full of a lot of really good, interesting data uh, and data points. And so how do you extract? How do how do we, you know, as a either a, a distributor or a vendor, or even an end user, figure out what's important and what's kind of noise. Exactly. I think what is important here to mention is also that GFK has undergoing some kind of transition as well. So we are changing from a descriptive market research company to a prescriptive market research company. And of course, we have a lot of data and certainly some of the audience does know our GFK presentations, which can also last a, bit, a little bit longer. Um, but we have now adopted actually also the help of technology to extract that signal. So to be specific, we introduced an online platform with artificial intelligence, which is actually telling the end user what is happening in the market and pinpointing them to the current challenges that are lying ahead or that are occurring. And then on top of that, giving as well recommendations and making the possibilities or providing the possibilities to make simulations. So if you do that, what impact does that have on my market share? And this is something that we do currently for QS data, 
but we are also about to release that for distribution data. And then it becomes even more interesting because what we're able to do is as well to combine these two data sets. So having QS and distribution data side by side, and I think that's incredibly valuable if you look into the supply chain and if you just consider the recent challenges, for example, that we've seen during the pandemic or now also in, in the recent months to actually balance inventories to actually anticipate demand and also to even make more profound, more data-driven decisions actually. And research actually, I mean, we love figures. So research actually tells us that data-driven businesses are more successful. So 30% is actually the, the uplift that you can create if you do data-driven decisions. Hmm. Yeah, you know, you know, having spent my time and mostly on the vendor side, I know that we would make decisions at, at sometimes, particularly in the supply chain area, right? Um, that weren't always based on uh, sort of data and history uh, and more, more based on, uh, I hate to say it, wishing and hoping, <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, and invariably you get in trouble. Right when that happens, uh, and so I know exactly what what you mean relative to looking at you know run rates, looking at changes in technology. You can kind of you can kind of see it, you can kind of pull it out, but it's helpful when somebody like GFK can not only provide all the data, but also dig in and pull out the nuggets that people really ought to be paying attention to. Right, and I think that's that's a valuable um, uh, component for for what you're providing to the vendor community uh, for sure. Yeah. So um, you mentioned AI a little bit, mm -hmm. and certainly that is, is, you know, on the, in the, on the forefront of what everybody's talking about, everybody's thinking about. And frankly, um, there's a lot of people that are um, excited about the possibilities, but also a little bit concerned about how it's used and how it should be used. What types of things are you experiencing? You know, because you guys are obviously, um, you know, participating quite a bit. You mentioned utilizing it. What are you experiencing, and and what do you? How do you see that's kind of evolving uh, over time? Right. I believe we are just at the beginning of applying artificial intelligence in businesses, and currently some frameworks are still uncertain. Also, you see that in the discussions which are taking place, if governments should or the European Union, for example, should provide some kind of framework and some kind of security net for artificial intelligence. So this is, I think, where some of the frameworks are still, or need to be defined, are still a bit unclear. However, is it becoming the disruptor that many anticipate? To some extent, I would say definitely. It has the potential to also provide us with great possibilities overcoming, as said, the current data overload and really to pinpoint on the right data, but also actually to overcome certain challenges which are created with social, economic or demographic challenges. So in that sense, what we experience is the essential when applying artificial intelligence comes down, comes down to the database behind it. If you do not have a proper database behind your AI solution or your AI application, 
then you're getting basically in trouble. Mm. And another fact which needs to be considered is they are currently working on basically teaching or training AI to forget something. Mm. AI is currently not forgetting anything. <laughs> and that is also something where, where it comes down to reliability of the data. So yes, I can have a big amount of data, but how reliable is that? And yeah. it's my own data. If we think about manufacturers and distributors, if, is that enough? Is that sufficient? And what would I like to apply with it? Would I like to you know, have an AI enabled solution that is helping the customer service, et cetera? Or would I really would like to make data-driven decisions and, and have a big data set, reliable data set to actually anticipate what's happening next in the market? And I think that is where, where people need to realize that the database behind it is crucial and needs more attention as well. Yeah, um, that's a really good point. That uh, the, the forgetting part is really important because I've had some seen some examples where AI was just flat wrong. And, and I've asked people, how could this be? What, and it was, well, something was out there that they pulled from that may not have been correct, but now it's out there and they don't have a way of distinguishing. AI doesn't have a way of distinguishing what, whether it's right or wrong, it's, it's data or it's information. And, um, and I think there's a lot of lessons to be learned as we go forward. But I would imagine, you know, with the work that you guys are doing and with the quality and the caliber of the people that you have sort of, you know, thinking about it and looking at it, um, you'll you'll experience, uh, you'll start to see some of these things and be able to learn from them very, very quickly. So, you know, it'll end up being positive versus negative, which is absolutely. Which is and, yeah. and what also comes into that play is that the complex task, the complex thinking is still with humans. Yeah. So yes, AI can analyze patterns, for example, but, and we have seen that in the pandemic as well, it does struggle with unexpected changes. And the humans are actually also reacting emotionally and emotions are something that AI struggles with. Mm. So, um, we all know that in the countries, different products were demanded during the pandemic, depending on you know how they actually, yeah, um, react and and how they how is their lifestyle, right? This is something that AI could possibly at the beginning not really consider, and this is where we as GFK as well had some learnings that indeed, even if I have an AI solution, I still need the expertise. So it's not just AI and replacing something with AI. It's rather enhancing and enriching something. Um, and the human factor will still be in there and, and will still be needed just to consider the emotional part of human habits and human behavior, as well as to deal with complexity in that. Yeah. You know, one of the things that, you know, GFK is known for, obviously, is um, your understanding uh, of uh, supply chains, uh, you know, global supply chains. And and so there's been a lot of discussion over the past, uh, you know, 18 months, really since the pandemic, really last couple of years about 
the supply chain, what what's happened, why did it happen, you know, <laughs> what are we doing to fix it? Is it fixed? Isn't it fixed? You know, the, all of that. And, you know, again, going back to my vendor days, I've seen certainly the peaks and valleys that get created. And, and it seems like when I think back at it, there was a myriad of reasons why, you know, but what's your take where we sit right now? You know, what have we learned from the pandemic from a supply chain standpoint? And do you see things sort of coming back to some semblance of normalcy? Or do you see a continued sense of chaos, which is, you know, you could argue we've had for a couple of years in various right. areas. I guess the pandemic has taught us some important lessons. So first of all, how technology actually can help us to change our lifestyle, our way we work, our way we interact. And certainly that will continue. And I think the big question manufacturers currently have is to what extent does that, what we learned during the pandemic, what we kind of adopted on human habits will last. And this is actually where our data as well suggests that, yes, we are currently kind of in a market decline. We do see declining demands and, you know, certain challenges in, in the economy as well, whether it's the conflict in, in the Ukraine or the inflation rates, et cetera. And certainly some of these factors will still yeah, proceed or unfortunately proceed. However, we are also seeing some light at the end of the tunnel. So we do actually expect the second half year, for example, to gain back, to become a bit better um, replacement cycles to kick in. And, and the good thing is that during the pandemic, we increased the base, the installed base of end devices. And those are on the one hand side demanding now accessories and you know investments in infrastructure and these things. But at the end of the day, they are also up to replacement cycles, which will kick in um, and start to kick in also next year. So therefore there's there's kind of a lift on that end. If we consider like the general market environment and also how manufacturers, OEMs and distributors have adopted their their sourcing and their supply chains, then that's also quite a, a learning, which is there have been very high dependencies. And to diversify risk is also currently on the agenda of, of various manufacturers. So we see a lot of nearshoring happening, a lot of yeah, governmental in activities and um, yeah, initiatives to actually also support the industry to be a bit more local or regional Mm. and to minimize the risk that such things have to safeguard business, to safeguard the industry, and also to safeguard basically yeah, the, the applied technology so that, that the economic risk is also reduced accordingly. Yeah. So, yeah. So we don't get into a scenario where, <clears throat> where we've gotten into really, where there's a glut of inventory and it takes, you know, months in some cases quarters to bleed it off and and as a result we're not getting any real growth at all in fact it, we're probably shrinking a little bit um yet there's an abundance of inventory <laughs> you know in the marketplace so I, I get that you mentioned a couple of times and obviously you're you know you're located in europe 
and and the business is 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 uh, focused primarily on Europe. But you've mentioned a couple of times, uh, you know, the EU or regulations, and um, and I know that the EU uh, typically will get very involved. One of the areas we're seeing it is sustainability, and um, you know, as as you know from our event, um, we have create we've started a pretty significant initiative uh, in this area because there's just so much focus on it from the end user community that I think all participants in the IT supply chain have got to pay attention, right? And, and if they're not, they're 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 going to miss the boat. And so clearly from a GTDC standpoint, we've got a pretty, fairly robust initiative going where we're pulling in the vendors. And what we're trying to do is provide information um, and you know that frankly isn't available in the marketplace unless you look really hard. What are you experiencing and what's your take as, as we go on here? Do you see the EU getting significantly more engaged? Um, do you see restrictions coming or guidelines in place? What, what, what do you see happening? So I believe the EU is always very conscious about initiatives or, or driving decisions and making regulations. I think distributors, manufacturers, anybody in the industry should actually not wait for the EU to, to act and yeah. to release something. Yeah. So I believe that is that is a good example for a trend which is driven by society. And society is, as technology is shaping society in some way and the way we work, it's also vice versa. So in this case, we do see that the demand is actually there. So by 2030, for example, 50% of the population is expected to be eco-active in some way. That means that a large portion of your target audience is demanding that and it's not just the trend which is around the corner it's, it's actually currently already happening and this is why the industry and the channel are demanded to already act before there is any regulation i do believe that there are further initiatives and further regulations from the eu being released and becoming and we see that with the law of repair etc or the right uh, to repair so your question for the manufacturers would be, to what extent are they opening up for that? If Is there a second business model to that? Um, so enhancing you know, the product lifecycle for distributors, they are already engaging a lot into refurbishment, which we also see in our data. However, maybe there's more to that. And actually also manufacturers need to decide a bit on, currently there's like, not really a, an industry standard yet, which is dealing with certain product features and you know how they are defined. So every vendor might have one or the other definition. So I believe a kind of standardized agreement regarding these definitions, that is, that is something where the industry should go ahead before any regulations are coming and, and should shape that market. Um, if we currently look into our data, GFK is, is currently tracking as well what we say eco claim features. So if a manufacturer is actually marketing something to be eco friendly or having an eco friendly packaging or uh, recycled material, etc., 
And what is important to know in that sustainability area is that it is not just one feature that you need to fulfill or one requirement from the consumers that you need to fulfill. It's a combination of features. And that is also then justifying a premium price. So indeed, if they, if our audience, if the industry is going ahead of that, it's a great business opportunity. So for the TCG market, for example, this 50% population by 2030 equals over 700 billion US dollars on a wow. global scale. That's incredible. Yeah. I mean, it is also adopted in the FMCG area, but just for technology, seven over 700 billion US dollars. And I think that that's a good reason to think about it, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it, I think it is. Um, and, and, I, and you're right. I mean, we know, you know, for example, the work that we've done, we know that the EU is, in fact, um, working on um, some sort of uh, regulations uh, that, you know, and, and, you know, sort of a, I think, I think they're calling it SORPASS um, process, where they will actually monitor, uh, you know, each vendor. Uh, and, but it's, it's taking a lot of time. And to your point, something's got to be done while we're waiting for it, right? And that's what we're trying to do. The good news on the distributor front is we've had a huge focus on it from the GTDC members. So, so the folks that are part of our group, and you know who they are, many of them are headquartered in Europe, are, are absolutely focused in this area and engaged and, and have encouraged us to get more engaged. Um, and we won't be able to develop an industry standard. That That's a, you know, <laughs> that's something that we would like to be able to do. But what we could do is, is ensure that we have collaboration and team people working together both at the vendor level and the distributor level so that as time goes on uh, we may even have some input into what the EU decides to do and how they do it based on some experience and you know you guys are also in that position where you could you could probably um, um, help from the standpoint of providing knowledge and input based on data and facts and information really important. Yeah. Absolutely. And I think the, the GDDC has done a, a fantastic job so far to bring everybody just on one table to discuss such important topics. It's not a, only about sustainability, but that's just one factor where you help to actually, yeah, make them interact and, and make everybody speak to each other. So I guess that was a, a fantastic platform and the, the forum in, at the EMEA event was just another great example for that. And I believe if we all work together, so market research companies plus GDDC plus the channel and the distributors, that is something where we can shape it rather yeah. than just having to react on it, right? Yeah, totally, totally. Um, well, we'll start to wrap up a little bit here. Um, but, you know, one of the things that I, I, I am interested in asking you about, because obviously, you know, I worry and think about distribution every day, right? And, and you know, and obviously so do you. Um, we've mentioned you've seen, you know, changes, you've seen, you know, innovation, you've seen growth. Talk a little bit about where you see DISTI going from the standpoint of what you think they need to do in order to react to what you're seeing in the marketplace from 
customers, right? In other words, what, what are the requirements the customers have that obviously the distributors have to be able to react to? What are you seeing? I think the supply chain has changed from a linear supply chain to a supply chain network, which is driven by information. Yep. So in the end of the day, distributors need to yes, do the basics right and fast and reliable, but at the same time evolve more into information and solution providers. So the information piece and the education piece, which comes to that, is becoming more and more essential. And this is where we do see already that distributors are adopting data in the day-to-day -day business more and more, are actually actively asking for that to actually incorporate that and to better consult their clients. And in the end, they try to actually also address the different levels, for example, in B2B, the, the different levels of digitalization of their clients, right? And, and the clients, the system houses and system integrators have to work with. And that is something where information, education, servicing, becomes more and more essential aside from the basics. I mean, if you don't do the basics right, you do not need to process or right. process with the other step. But as you evolve more into the network and banishing boundaries between manufacturers and resellers and distributors, that information exchange, that collaboration is becoming more and more essential. And, and this is, I guess, where it actually comes down to, to data and to information and to, to well-equipped service teams as well. Yeah. That's that, a challenge these days, I have to say. Well, it is, it is, but, but I also think you're absolutely right. I mean, I, when I talk about it, I talk about it from a foundational level. And what I talk about is that the distributors have built over, you know, 40 years, let's say this foundational level. And, you know, you called it the basics and it's the things that they have to do every day. And we all know that, um, but it goes far beyond that now in terms of what are you doing to build on that foundation? You don't forget the foundation and it doesn't go away. It's how do you build on it and how do you do the things that are required and the platforms that are being built out there and the marketplaces that are being built um, that provide the data and provide the information and the, and the ability to collaborate I think is critical. So I agree with you. I think that's exactly where it's going. And, um, you know, some are doing it well, some are doing it, you know, um, better, uh, but everybody's doing it. And uh, I think it's going to be really important. Well, look, this was great. Um, is there anything else that we missed? Is there anything else that you want to focus on? It sounds like you guys, from what you've talked about, you got to big focus on AI. And I think that's important in terms of, you know, where you're going. Uh, certainly we know that there's a whole host of people in the industry that, that depend on the data that you guys provide on a regular basis, including us, by the way. Um, any, any final thoughts, any final comments? Well, I believe that the game is on, right? On, on all of us. So if we keep interacting and also exploring the ways and, getting more trained on how to apply data, read data, interpret data, and actually then apply it to all our customers, whether it's from a GFK perspective or from a distributive perspective. I think that is where, you know, we can help 
the channel, we can help the distributors to actually better steer their businesses. And um, if we do that, and if we just keep on interacting and working on the information-driven supply chain, I guess, then we will all succeed and, and have a win-win-win situation, actually. Yeah, exactly. Well, that's great, Tatiana. This was this was fabulous. I really appreciate you taking the time to uh, talk to us, and uh, I look forward to our continued uh, relationship, which you know, as as I mentioned earlier, has been uh, strong for a number of years. So, thank you for your time. Thank you, Frank. Likewise, it was a pleasure to be here.